The number of integers, one, two, three, four, and so on, is infinite. And oddly enough, so is the number of even integers, two, four, six, eight, ten, and beyond. Meaning that the number of even integers is equal to the number of all integers, both odd and even. Welcome to infinity. This is Dr. Jim Tonkwitz, your host for these After Dinner Scholar podcasts from Wyoming Catholic College. While it's still deep winter and it is cold in Lander, it's not too early to think about Wyoming Catholic College's summer peak programs for high school juniors and seniors. At peak, we give high schoolers a taste of life at the college, including backpacking, horseback riding, Catholic worship and devotion, and classes complete with homework and tests. Not only do high school students enjoy the two weeks of peak, but they get a pretty good idea of what it would be like to come to college at Wyoming Catholic, and many decide that would be a wonderful thing indeed and join us as freshmen. Mathematician Dr. Scott Olson has taught a course at Peak on a number of occasions, a course on infinity, and I asked Dr. Olson to give us a finite preview of this infinite subject. Dr. Olson, why teach a course about infinity? Well, there, there are a few things I might say about that. One is that um, it illustrates very clearly to the students the power of mathematics. If you start thinking about infinity, if you haven't, if you, you know, if you haven't read anything about it, but you just try to think about it by yourself for a moment, it seems to be something that's kind of incomprehensible. Like you couldn't say very much about infinity, right? And so it's a it's a wonderful illustration of what the human mind is capable of doing, uh, and what abstraction is capable of. That's one thing. It's just really exciting to see that play out. But I guess another thing I would say is that some of the basic ideas in the analysis of infinity are actually quite rudimentary, quite accessible. And most students, of course, who don't go on to study mathematics, say as majors, uh, never have access to that. They never, they never explore it because it's considered advanced, although the basic ideas really are things that you can understand pretty quickly. So it's, it's kind of exciting to, to show students, maybe students who... You know, they had a background studying Saxon algebra or something. Maybe they come here and they, they don't realize that mathematics can be exciting, explore ideas that you know, they never thought would be possible to explore. And uh, so it's kind of, it, it sort of lets us restart. Students tend to think that mathematics is just algebra and geometry, the things that they've already done. And so the possibility of it being creative and just different, very philosophical, is pretty exciting. Now, what are some of those rudimentary ideas? What is infinity? How do we understand it? Uh, I think the first thing we want to say about it is that infinity is not so much a thing as an idea. It's not so much, so people make the mistake of saying, you know, what's two plus infinity as if infinity were just a number, right? It's not really a number, and we don't manipulate it as if it were a number. It's more the notion that no matter how far you go out along the numbers, um, no matter how big of a number you think of, there's always more numbers. You can always go farther. So if you think of the biggest number you can imagine, or if you think of, say, the number of atoms in the universe or the number of elementary particles in the universe, 
and maybe you raise that to the power of the number of elementary particles in the universe, uh, you get a pretty big number, right? But that number is still actually a very small number in the sense that almost all the numbers that exist are much larger than it. And you can keep doing that. There's never a time where you sort of run out of numbers. It just keeps going forever. So that's the basic idea. In my introduction to the podcast, I noted that the set of all integers is infinite and that the set of all even integers is also infinite, making the two, well, if not equivalent, kind of... <laughs> right, they, that. they seem to be not the same size, but also in a sense the same size. So one of the first ideas when you th start thinking about infinity is this notion of equivalence. And it means the following. Uh, we have to take a moment and think about what we mean when we count something. So if we had, say, a basket of fruits and maybe a basket of letters, and we tried to ask, um, are there the same number of things in the, in the two baskets? One thing we could do is we could just count the number of fruits. Maybe, you know, one strawberry, one apple, one banana. Uh, we could count the number of letters, and we'd say, okay, there's a letter A, a letter B, a letter C. There's three of each, and so there's the same number of things. And that's, of course, what we normally do when we're thinking about finite collections of things or finite sets. But we might instead say, well, uh, rather than count them separately, let's see if we can pair them up. So the letter A will go with the strawberry, and the letter B would go with banana, maybe, and the letter... C could go with what was left, an apple? Apple, apple right, okay. <laughs> it doesn't really matter how we do the pairing as long as there's a one-to-one -one correspondence between the letters and the fruits, okay? And if we can do that, if we can establish that kind of one-to-one -one correspondence, then we know there must be the same number of things. It's kind of like if we had a big dance hall that was full of men and women, and we were trying to figure out if those are the same number of men and women. We could try to count everyone, but an easier, an easier thing to do might be just to start a dance, right? And if everyone is dancing, there must be the same number of men and women, right? So if everyone's dancing, we've got this one-to-one -one correspondence between the men and the women on the dance floor. And you can, if you think about the, say, the natural integers and the natural even integers, or the natural numbers and the natural even numbers, you can see that the, you can establish that kind of correspondence. If you give me any natural number, I can, I can tell you one even number Right? And if you give me any even number, I can give you any natural number, or I can give you one natural number, and I can establish a kind of correspondence like that. So because we can make the even natural numbers and all of the natural numbers dance in that way, we say that those sets are equivalent. And so those kinds of infinities are in some sense the same size, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Right, But most people, after they hear that, they start to think, well, okay, that's well and good, but I bet all infinite sets are the same size. I bet you can always make the two infinite sets dance. And so one of the first really surprising results in the analysis of infinity is that you can't do that. There are, in fact, infinite sets that are larger in some sense than other infinite sets. So if you, if you take the set of all points on the real line and you try to put them into a correspondence with the natural numbers, it turns out you can't do that, which is quite surprising. So the set of points on the real line is a much bigger infinity than the natural numbers. And in fact, there are infinities that are much larger than it. It's not actually a very big infinity. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of mind-bending to think about these things, you know. 
In fact, I think, though, that when we count anything, we're doing that kind of correspondence. Naturally, we just don't think about what we're doing. If you count the number of fruits in a basket and you say there are three of them, what you're doing, I think, is you're associating each of those fruits with a number. And if you can do that such that each fruit corresponds to one number, and you don't really care how the correspondence is established as long as you can have a one-to-one correspondence, then you say that there must be three fruits, right? And so we're doing the same thing. We just do that with two different sets of objects, mathematical objects. They could be triangles or numbers or points or all kinds of things. So in the book that the undergraduates read, What is Mathematics? It mentions that there's infinity that can be counted and then infinity that can't be counted. Is that what you're getting at with the line? That's right, yeah. So we say an infinity, a set of infinite things is countable if you can establish a one-to-one correspondence with the natural numbers. So the set of even integers are countable. The set of natural numbers are countable, of course. Surprisingly, the set of rational numbers are countable. So the set of numbers you can create, um, you can express as a ratio of integers is a countable set. You can establish a correspondence between the rational numbers and the integers. So there'll be fractions. The fra- that's right, yeah. the fractions, which sounds surprising because if you imagine, say, any two fractions, you can see that between any two fractions, you can, you, can ima- you can come up with infinitely many more fractions. So the rational points are dense on the line, we say. There's always more and more between them. No matter how, how much you zoom in on a line, you can always find infinitely more rational numbers, fractions between any two fractions. So they're dense on the line. At the same time, there are many, many fewer of them than there are irrational points on the line. So it turns out because the infinity of irrational points is bigger than the infinity of, of rational points, um, if you imagine throwing a dart at a real line and asking what's the probability of hitting a rational point, a point that corresponds to a fraction, it turns out the probability of hitting a frac- one of those fractions or one of those rational points is actually zero. You'll, you'll never hit a rational point because <laughs> this is all it's really fun stuff, right? It's kind of mind-bending. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. Now, in, uh, in 1930, mathematician Hermann Weil said, mathematics is the science of the infinite. Uh, is that true? Uh, and if it is, why? Why is infinity central to mathematics? I don't know exactly what he meant by that. It does sort of come up all the time, and I guess he might mean that it's the science of the infinite in the sense that mathematics is a science where we have, at least in a kind of, in a simple way, an access to the infinite. And I think that's for just because mathematics is so simple. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but I think that's one of the really defining characteristics of mathematics is that, say, un- unlike natural science or even theology because the things we're dealing with are so uh, they're they we're so careful to define them to avoid problems with equivocation the things we're working with are very simple and um there's a kind of a funny i'm not sure if i'm really answering your question but there's a there's a funny consequence of this which we we run across every year students think that mathematics is hard and i think one of the reasons i think that is actually because it's easy and the way it plays out goes like this when you do mathematics, you tend to not, you tend to understand very quickly if you don't understand. 
right? Mm-hmm. If you're given a problem and you don't know the answer to it, people tend to realize that they don't get it. It's not like an essay question where you can uh, pile on the words and hope something good happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's I think if you think about that, that, you'll realize that's a way of saying that mathematics is easy. Um, because unlike other disciplines, it's actually pretty easy to know when you don't get it. And that's really important. If you, if you realize you don't get it, then you can do something about it. That's one of the reasons why it's a, a great training, I think, in general for, for the intellectual life. Um, because you can sort of cultivate a sensitivity to your ignorance in mathematics in a way that I think would be much more difficult in, say, literature, where the things we're studying are so complex that it can be much harder to know that you don't know. The chief aim of all investigations of the external world, said astronomer and mathematician Johannes Kepler, should be to discover the rational order and harmony which has been imposed on it by God and which he reveals to us in the language of mathematics." As this conversation with Dr. Olson makes clear, our students at Peak and in our undergraduate program are intellectually challenged as they contemplate ideas like infinity. And that's just as it should be. Too often we underestimate the ability of students to understand and excel And so we dumb down whatever the subject is. High school students at Peak and our undergraduate students at Wyoming Catholic College discover, one, that our expectations are high, and two, that with effort, they are able to meet and even exceed those expectations. To learn more about our undergraduate program and to learn more about the Peak sessions for high school students in summer 2024, visit our website, And let me mention the peak programs fill up very quickly. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkowicz.